The following Women's Spaces show was recorded on Monday, November 15th, 2021. The woman in your life she can rest so easily she does everything you do because the woman in your life is you hello everybody and welcome to women's spaces my name is elaine b holt and i'm your host with me at the board is my friend my partner my engineer and co-producer ken norton good morning ken good morning Well, I have a special guest this morning. Joining me on the phone will be Emmy Award filmmaker Cynthia Abbott, and we'll be talking about some of the environmental issues around the ocean and her Emmy Award film, Three Ocean Advocates, Inspiring for Change. Well, you know, on Saturday, November 13th, via Zoom, the Peace and Justice Center had their annual awards presentation. And I was so excited because the Sunrise Movement uh, was awarded the Youth Peace and Justice Activist Award. And I want to do a special shout out to the P- Peace and Justice Center for acknowledging our youth who are fighting to secure an environmentally stable future. You know, in my life, I didn't have to struggle with these issues, although warnings were beginning to to surface and it felt like nobody was listening. I mean, it seems like it's getting worse and worse and worse. And I kind of got a little bit concerned when I was listening to Amy Goodman this morning and her talking about the environmental conference and that there still seemed to be, um, seemed not to be really considering all the, um, all the data and all the information they need around climate change and what they have to do. So a special shout out that we acknowledge that the Peace and Justice Center acknowledged our youth and acknowledged what they're doing. You know, it's really hard when you stand up and try to educate people about what's going on. I mean, I'm amazed at some of the things that are said about young people that are protesting today. Well, there were many, many other recipients uh, at the Saturday, November 13th Zoom, and I have to do a shout-out for their executive director, Shakina Black. What a beautiful presentation uh, they gave. I mean, it was just it was just amazing. And the thing I liked the most about it, as every recipient of the award talked, they had this beautiful piece of behind them, and it just gave me the feeling of, of hope. Like maybe one day, if we all come together and we all struggle together and we all speak out together, Together, maybe one day we can enjoy uh, enjoy peace on this troubled planet right now. Well, other awards for the Peace and Justice uh, Center Award Ceremony, uh, the Peace and Justice Activist of the Year went to a real, really powerful woman, Demetra Smith. I first met Demetra when we served on the center, uh, the Sonoma County Union, Human Rights Commission where she developed the Union uh, Human Rights Junior Commission, which is amazing, working with these young people. She just did an excellent job. She served as both vice chair and chair and has been a strong advocate for human rights in our community and beyond. I mean, and she did a presentation that was just stellar. And by the way, if you want to see or hear the uh, recipients and the ceremony have wonderful, wonderful music, you can go on to the Peace and Justice Facebook page, and they will guide you to 
to the YouTube uh, presentation of the ceremony. Well, the next award, which I thought was really, really wonderful, and I, I had interviewed her uh, last week, was Adriana Jones, and she won the Russ and Mary Jorgensen Courage of Commitment Award. And you know, when you really listen to what uh, to what Adriana has done, she really has been committed, is particularly to the homeless. I mean, she had a sock drive. I don't know how many hundreds of pairs of socks that that were donated, and also all kinds of other clothing to help people that are on the street that are struggling. So, a shout out to uh, Adriana Jones and congratulations. And one of my favorite people that, uh, received the Unsung Heroes Award. It was given to a longtime friend, Mary. Not also known as Green Mary. You know, Ken was uh, Ken was at a meeting a long, long time ago with Mary and another group of activists when they came up with the name uh, Green Mary. It was adopted, and uh, that's who I knew Mary for all the years, known as Green Mary. And watching her at all the different events, I mean, this woman has been so committed to recycling and to making sure that that things that are used at events are recyclable and also that things are cleaned up. I mean. I see her sorting and going through the trash, and it's just amazing and definitely an unsung um, unsung hero. That's for sure, you know. So congratulations to Mary Minot, wonderful, wonderful woman. And then the Community Organization Award was given to the Grayton Labor Center. Uh, this is uh, deserved in my mind. This organization represents uh, immigrants, day laborers, and domestic laborers, assuring that they are treated with dignity and are provided a decent wage. And congratulations to all the workers and volunteers. And I personally have utilized people from the uh, Grayton Labor Center. Just wonderful. You know, you can really trust the people come out. They do a really wonderful job. I had it for house cleaning and also for gardening and just amazing amazing that you can call you can call an organization and you know the people that are going to come out are going to not only do a good job but all, but you have an opportunity to support their uh, organization so congratulations to all the recipients of these wonderful awards and like i said a shout out to the peace and justice center they did a absolutely excellent job of presentation and you know this it's very interesting zooming you know zooming has become part of our life and i have to say i enjoy it I mean, I enjoy the idea that I don't have to get in my car. I don't have to travel. And there it is right in front of me. And I, and I know it's challenging for people. I know that. And everybody wants to get out. But at the same time, it's kind of nice to be in your home and to be able to enjoy uh, events like this. So thank you to the Peace and Justice Center again. Well, you know, every Monday... We do a segment uh, called Our History is Our Strength. I like to say our Her Story is Our Strength. And this month I'm doing something a little bit different. Instead of the history of individual women, I thought it would be a good idea to remind us of how far we've come and some of the changes that were made giving women more independence and a stronger voice. So therefore, this November, this this segment will be called basic rights women did not have until the 1970s. I mean, it's amazing when you think about it. When I, I, we were having, we had a, a woman's uh, a dinner where we all get together and we were talking about some of the things that we didn't have. Like I mentioned last week, we didn't have the, we couldn't get a credit card. And when I went to get birth control, I remember my first husband had to go to the doctor with me and had to sign a paper that he approved of me getting birth control. 
and that he was aware that I was getting birth control. I guess they were trying to prevent me from having affairs, right, or something because I had birth control. But anyway, it was, it was very, very interesting. And I'm going to keep each, each week, I'm going to put the uh, events on our Women's Spaces uh, website, www.womenspaces.com, so you can read them if you've missed any of these precious words. But it's really, it's really, really interesting. Well, one of the things that we didn't have, and I don't think we still, I'm not sure if we, we have it in some areas, in some areas we don't have it, and that's we didn't receive any paid maternity leave. And that I find is very interesting. And I remember because I had my daughter in 1964, and all of a sudden the memory came back that I remember that when I left and I had the baby, I had no maternity leave. You know, that was it. You know, my job was over. I went home and had the baby. And that is very, very, very interesting. So the first time anything about paid maternity leave became a new topic, just talking about it, was in 1969. And then, therefore, there came. Uh, they had a uh, new law that was passed called the Temporary Disability Insurance Act was born, you know, to kind of help fix that. But still... You know, they're still debating maternity leave. They're still debating whether you can stay home the first six or eight weeks when you have a child. And it's so important, you know, because later on in the segment, I'm going to do a a piece uh, talking about our children live what they learn. If you can't take care of them or give them that fresh start at the beginning, oftentimes putting children into daycare and all that really quickly can be detrimental, so it's really important that this came about, and we're still debating it. Now, this was really interesting. Women couldn't receive direct consultations about physical and mental health. It's an interesting. It was interesting, interesting. And I remember this. If you're a madman, a fan, you might remember a scene when Betty, the second husband, Henry Francis, discussed... Betty's cancer diagnosis with the doctor. At the time, she was sitting inside listening to their conversation. In other words, she's getting, he's getting consultation about her problem and her challenges, and they're not even talking to her, and she's the one that's got the issue. And it wasn't until uh, around uh, 19, after 1970 that all of a sudden women were able to get consultations from their doctor about their health issues. Now, my, the question that came into my mind is what happened if you were a single woman? I mean, do you have to go in with your father? I mean, that, that really, isn't, isn't really isn't really very, very clear to me. Now, this one totally blew my mind, really. You couldn't refuse sex to your husband. Can you believe that? Can you believe it? Finally, in 1970, wives began to to receive some legal protection from their husbands. Stage courts began to realize that there was something called marital rape. I mean, all of a sudden, I mean, here it is in 1970, and this is the first time, I mean, it's, it's, it's interesting, you know, especially around domestic violence, and that a lot of it has to do with sexual violence. And at that time, you couldn't refuse, you had to say yes, your husband was king. And I don't know, I don't know if it's improved or not improved, but I know for myself personally as a woman, it's much, much better for me to be equal with my partner. 
rather than be one up. He's got one up on me. He's the boss. He's going to tell me what to do, how to do it. It's much better that you have an active partnership together and not support some of the behaviors that really are detrimental in in um, in relationships. You know, so th- there's a lot to think about here. You know, when you start thinking about that whole, there's that saying, you've come a long way, baby. Well, we have come a long way, but as you can see, here we are in 2021 going on to 2022. And I'll tell you, if I hear another statistic, the Democrats are going to lose, the Republicans got it, the Republicans are going to lose, no, the Democrats, I mean, all this BBB. Like, you know, I love that. Uh, I love what I heard when the youth were talking. They're saying like, blah, 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 blah. And that's what it sounds like, a bunch of blah, 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 blah. You know, we have rights, women. We have struggled for them. We have pushed for them. We have stood up for them. We have gone to jail for them. And we need to hold on to them. We need not to let them go. You know, it's really interesting. Young women, they take things for granted. We really take things for granted. You know, what's been here for a long time, you don't think, you don't think. That's why it's important that we look at our history, that we see what we gained and the struggle that it took to, to gain that. And if we, they take that away from us, you know, we're going to go backwards. You know, I don't want to be in the fifties anymore. I mean, that to me was ridiculous. I mean, I was suspended from school. I'll never forget that for wearing red lipstick, pedal pushers, a black turtleneck and gold earrings. I mean, come on. And they suspended me for a whole week because I didn't adhere to the dress code. And what was the dress code? I had to wear these uncomfortable nylons and these skirts. I mean, it just used to drive me crazy. And when I remember when I put on my first pair of uh, pedal pushers, what a liberation it felt like. Oh, I could wear pants. You know, I felt a lot freer. And what's interesting, uh, in downtown Santa Rosa, before the pandemic, there used to be a a group of young people that uh, gathered in Courthouse Square that I would see downtown every once in a while. And many of the women had a very, very lot of expressive tattoos on their bodies. And we had a discussion one day. When I was growing up in their age, I could not tattoo my body like that. No way. That's a freedom. It's a freedom of choice that we have gained over the years for women And we do not want to lose that. So that's a lot to think about. Well, we're going to take a musical break and bring on our first guest. I'm really excited about this. I've never, I've never talked to an Emmy Award winner. I mean, that's, (laughs) that's just amazing to me. And we're going to sing this song. It was really interesting when I was, uh, when I was setting the script to do the show. All of a sudden, I got this idea, you know, this is, we're going to be talking about the ocean. You know, what, what song? I went on the internet trying to find something about the ocean. So I called the woman. Her name is Cynthia Abbott that I'll be talking to. And I called her and I says, do you have any ideas about, you know, a song that we could open up with? Well, she referred me to this song called Mercy, Mercy Me. And, you know, it's a Marvin Gaye song. And I believe he, he was instrumental in writing it. But what it's all about is the environment. It was, it was interesting. And I thought, but I, and of course I have to do research and I have, because it's a women's show, I try to find women who are singing these songs. And I found a wonderful, wonderful arrangement by a woman by the name of Angela Nasht. And I think it's a perfect song because we'll be talking about the challenges of our oceans and the impact climate change is having on them. 
and just listen to the words. When we return, joining me on the phone will be Cynthia Abbott, and we'll be talking about some of the environmental issues around the ocean and her Emmy Award film, Three Ocean Advocates Inspiring Change. So let's go ahead, Ken. Let's play Mercy, Mercy Me, sung by Angela Nash. Oh, 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 goodness that song was written and and i think about 25 years ago so that's a long time 
Well, for you folks just joining, I want to remind my listeners the opinions expressed here are not necessarily the opinions of the station, its board of directors, its members, or women's spaces. Well, welcome back. You're listening to Women's Spaces, and I'm your host, Elaine B. Holtz. And without further ado, I want to introduce my guest. Joining me on the phone is Cynthia Abbott, Emmy Award winner for her film, Three Ocean Advocates Inspiring Change. Welcome, Cynthia. Welcome to Women's Spaces. Oh, thank you, Elaine. I'm so happy to be here, and thank you for having me on this wonderful show uh, for women and about women. It's very exciting. Well, thank you so much. You know, it's it's amazing, you know, going through the uh, bios and looking up all the different things and finding out some of the issues that are happening around the ocean is really mind-boggling. But before we begin, is it okay if I tell my listeners just a little bit about you? Um, sure, absolutely. And also, after I finish this, tell us who the three people are. I know one of them is you, but I know there's two other people that you always like to acknowledge. Well, Cynthia Abbott is co-producer, director of the Emmy Award-winning film, Three Ocean Advocates Inspiring Change. She is an independent producer, director of short-form environmental films on the ocean. She believes in the power of of storytelling, and it can can change our collective vision for the ocean's future and protect it to keep it thriving. She is is an experienced cinema, uh, cinema photographer, editor, and producer who has worked in, my goodness, Burma and Thailand. Her shorts have won numerous awards and have screened at conferences, museums, and on local PBS. She is the founder of Every Second Breath Project, an award-winning short film series that presents people who have been deeply affected by the ocean and who are actively engaged in trying to help the ocean heal. Well, welcome, Cynthia. Is there anything that you care to add? Um, well, I would like to acknowledge uh, my co-producer and director, Andrea Leland. We worked together on the project producing these films. And uh, when we met, we met at a media mixer in Petaluma, and we found out we had so much in common in our filmmaking. And she's done um, five feature films on the Caribbean cultures. So it's we are a team and a partnership, and so I would like to bring her into uh, the not the conversation but acknowledge uh, her role in all of this and um, also I'd like to acknowledge uh, the wonderful people at KRCB their local PBS station Amy Boyd who helped us develop a 30 minute piece for their show Bay Area Bountiful that plays monthly um, and they're just a wonderful, wonderful team. And then also our production team, Fabian Aguera and Maya Piscato, who, um, if you get the opportunity to see the pieces, you'll see this incredibly beautiful cinematography and spectacular editing, just seamless, smooth editing that tells wonderful stories. Well, no, let's, let, let's, let's start, Cynthia, by talking about, you know, I mean, when I was reading all the information and so many people involved, my goodness, what a team you gathered. But talk about how you first became aware of some of the challenges around the ocean and what did you find out? What was, what, what was the biggest impact that helped you and motivated you to get involved in doing series about the ocean? Well, I've always 
love the ocean. I've lived nearby, and I've spent a lot of time on the ocean, and I grew up near it, swimming and sparkling and having a wonderful time, and the oceans were clean. There were problems, like is mentioned in this song that was uh, written, I believe, in 1971, fish full of mercury, oil spills, but nothing that like it is today with... Um, acidification and plastic pollution beyond belief. So I was um, studying uh, environmental and advocacy work about 12 years ago, and a group of us went to the Marine Mammal Center at the uh, in the Marine Headlands, and there was an art show there, um, and they were large plastic sculptures made of plastic that had been washed ashore Ooh. in Brandon, Oregon. And I was walking through, you had to walk through this one piece that was a jellyfish about 20 feet high. And you walk through the tentacles and you're pushing them away. And they were made of plastic bottles. And I looked at the bottles and they were marked Beijing Summer Olympics 2008. (laughs) These bottles, hundreds and hundreds of them, have traveled across the Pacific Ocean to... The West Coast, and we're now I was walking through them as an art display telling us oh there's a lot of plastic <laughs> in the ocean. And it was then, I was, I was just startled because I had done beach cleanups, but I didn't know the extent of the problem with plastics in our ocean. And I sort of had an aha moment realizing that what else <laughs> is going on? So I study, I, I looked deeper into the ocean uh, problems and was very very surprised because I didn't know the extent our existence, very existence relies on a healthy ocean. Over 50% of the, let me ask you, did you know over 50% of the oxygen we breathe comes from the ocean? No, I didn't know that. That is amazing. That is amazing. And, and, you know, when I was reading, when I was reading some of the stuff and some of your uh, information, I, I was shocked myself, too. You know, I'm, I grew up in the beaches of Southern California. I mean, there's, <laughs> there's nothing like the beaches of Southern California. <laughs> and now when you hear about this horrible oil spill that happened over by Huntington Beach and you think, oh, my goodness, those beautiful waters, that whole uh-huh. beautiful area, how quickly it can become destroyed. You know, so what did you, what happened? Did you all of a sudden just decided, I mean, were you already a filmmaker and then you decided to focus on the ocean? Or was this something that all of a sudden you said, hey, I got to do something and let me see if I can move in this direction? Uh, in my younger years, I had made, uh, I worked in 16 millimeter film and I had done some filmmaking and video work. And then I took a hiatus for some time and I, um, moved back into wanting to do film and storytelling again, and I had to pretty much retrain because so much had changed. There was no longer film. It was all video and different um, uh, ways of editing. So I retrained myself, and I was, like I said, doing environmental. I had a desire to do environmental work, advocacy, and that's when I realized I wanted to do short films. And so I had done about... Five or six for the community, a community news station down in uh, Marin. And, uh, but once I discovered what was going on in the ocean, that's when I decided to make my focus entirely on the ocean. 
Because without a healthy ocean, we don't have a healthy planet. Well, people don't recognize that. You know, we look at it as a body of water, but we don't think that there's life streaming and teeming in it. We get our fish and all the other things out of the ocean, and we don't think about the important part it plays in our life. And then we just dump stuff into it like like it really doesn't matter. Well, so here you are. You know, you you end up getting this team together, and you end up winning an Emmy. Now, how did that feel, and what? How do you feel that winning the Emmy helped you with with the information and the uh, that you're trying to get out to the public? Oh, it was thrilling. Oh, it's one of the most exciting times of my life. <laughs> I know I can speak for Andrea too because we've compared notes. It was just thrilling. Um, never imagined winning an Emmy, um, but it's very important to have that acknowledgement that these stories and the information that's in them about the environment have a lot of importance. And um, it, it will help with our distribution and uh, getting the word out and being able to make more films because this is just the beginning. There's so many other topics of what's going on in our, in our oceans. But yes, thrill thrill of my life <laughs> well you know what what's happening too is what i'd like to know is i couldn't seem to find how we can see the film that was number one if you can maybe tell us how we can see the film and also what what was the message what did you want people to walk away with but before we go and then there's another thing i want us to talk about is you have this uh this program called every second breath which just really sounds so interesting to me but talk about you know the important message that you wanted to come across in this film and how people can see it. Um, the important message is, um, like you're, you're saying, you just didn't, you had no idea how important the ocean is for our, for the health of the planet. And it's far away for most of us, or we can walk the shores. But without a healthy ocean, there's there's nothing. And um, so, I wanted to inform people of the situation the dire situation the oceans are in with acidification, warming waters, um, plastic pollution, and overfishing. Very serious, the overfishing that's taking place. And But with these stories that we have, the the Every Second Breath Project, the stories are about um, ordinary people, everyday people who have a passion for the ocean and are doing actions, taking actions to help heal it. And you don't have to be a scientist or a politician to take action and affect change. And so the goal is to inform people about the ocean situation, but also there's steps we can each do. And we hope to inspire people to start taking actions because it's our personal actions that and either heal or hinder or, you know, add more to what's going on. Why, why did you pick the name? What does every second breath mean? I mean, it sounds like when I know when you go underwater, you just have to hold your breath. But, I mean, what, what, how did you come up with this uh, this title? It was when I learned that, every, that over every second breath came from the ocean. And I thought that title would bring up questions. And then <laughs> it segues into, well, did you know every second breath comes from, you know, you breathe comes from the ocean. And it connects people. Because without every every other breath, that's connecting you to the ocean. So I think it makes a very, very powerful connection. 
So you're, you're thinking about when you say every second breath, in other words, when you take a breath because so much is coming from the ocean that's helping us breathe, right? That, 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 that has to do with that. Correct. Okay. Is yes. this, is this like, is this this groups of people that come together or is this, is just this individual and you're the one who, uh, kind of spearheads this? Um, the project? Yeah. Itself? Um, well, right now it's, um, our focus is on the films and then we do have some allies like the Plastic Pollution Coalition and, uh, Shark Stewards and we do share some media posts and, communicate on on that level support each other but no it's it's mostly um the film series right now is our major focus but would like to expand more with allies and sponsors Um, you know it's interesting you just said shark allies i mean when you start thinking about it when you start thinking about all the oceans the animals we all need allies to speak you know that's kind of the ocean can't speak for itself you know, how, how do you see these films? I mean, where are where are these shown? The uh, Every Second Breath series shown. Well, it uh, the Three Ocean Advocates is um, going to be screened uh, broadcast. I think two more times this year and next year on Bay Area Bountiful, and then we do have two films that you can watch on the internet. On our website, www.everysecondbreathproject.org, and one is on a on the general situation of the ocean, and the other is um, on Mark Nolan, who's a musician educator of middle school um, children at, at down at uh, Point uh, Pigeon Point, and takes kids out into the tide pools and educates them and encourages them to have respect for the ocean and to learn about it. And it's a fun little piece. Um, right now, our other films aren't available to the public. They're going to be going into the educational market. But we do um, organize virtual events, or they can be um, organized through conferences and community screenings by contacting us. And then we can do more of a public screening somewhere or a virtual screening. You were mentioning Zoom how you like that and you can we can actually do a zoom screening with a community group and they're perfect for educating these groups on topics because they're 30 minutes or under 10 minutes so it allows a lot of time for points of discussion and can talk about the issues that you're learning from the pieces so at this point there's not a uh it's they're not on youtube they're, they're um, still in broadcast on TV, and then these community virtual screenings. Well, make sure that you keep in touch with me and let me know so I can announce it for you. Okay. Well, you know, this, we'll is, this is a women's show, and one of the things is it's dedicated to ordinary women like yourself doing extraordinary things like yourself. And what I try to do is try to bring information to women also. Say, for example, there's a woman out there that says, oh, wow, I would love to be an independent uh, filmmaker. I would love to do something like that. What what suggestion would you give them? What, what would you... Uh, what would you say? What 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 field should they uh, investigate? Maybe education. What are what are some ideas you might share? Um. Well, there's so many aspects to filmmaking. There's screenwriting, you know, or script writing, and uh, uh, cinematography, editing, um, producing, directing. 
So if the woman has a um, interest, could learn one of those skills um, or just the overall uh, overall training, which is what I did. I mean, I edit. And I used to edit. I don't edit anymore. And I started out in photography and cinematography. So where you have your strengths and your interests, get trained in those and just go forward. <laughs> Well, it's more, it, it's more open to women now. But what what are what have been some of your biggest challenges is getting out in the field, getting your films out as a woman? Well, documentary filmmaking is there are a lot of women, so there's you know there's a lot of shoulders that you're standing on in documentary film. So I don't feel that I've ever had any, but these are small. Documentaries. I'm not doing the big mega ones, which are costing several million dollars. So I personally don't feel I've had any type of barrier or prejudice as a woman. But you said you said documentary. You said something very important, and that's the recognition that you're standing on the shoulders of so many other women that have put you know stepped before you. And it's so important that we understand that, and that we understand that we've come a long way as women in being able to have a voice like this. So I really appreciate I really appreciate you being on and expressing talking about this very important film and hopefully as time goes on I'll be able to announce that people can actually see it. But the most important thing is to become aware that you know we're in a crisis, we're in a climate crisis and our ocean is part of it. So Cynthia, any last words, any projects for the future and give us your website one more time. We're just about at the end of our segment here. Um, yeah, well, I would like to say they are, they, by contacting us, they are available because we can arrange these virtual screenings and community screenings. Okay. Um, so they are available that way. And also there's, we're, I'm working on a, I'm just in development, um, on a short about whales and sound pollution that's in the ocean. And it's a very exciting piece, and it's going to be very beautiful and eye-opening. Because there again, we don't think of the noise we make and how it may be affecting our marine life. And the uh, the uh, website is www.everysecondbreathproject.org. Everybreathproject.org. Every second breath. Every second breath.org. Project. You have to remember project. Okay, every <laughs> second breath project. Dot org. <laughs> I just I like to go through so my listeners can go through like we all go through trying to figure out all these websites. And and remember everybody that Everything we have talked about will be on www.womenspaces.com. Well, Cynthia Abbott, thank you so much for being on Women's Spaces and for sharing this experience. I really, really appreciate it. I just would like to add one thing. Go ahead. Very quick. Is that just remember everything we do and every action we take affects the ocean and our environment. So walk lightly on the planet and find the best ways to conserve energy 
Well, thank you so much for that. Very important. You know, we are children of the earth, and we have to take care of it. You know, I'm often thinking, like, who's the who's the first, first mother? We're actually all related to each other. We all have to take care of our mother earth because this is where we live, and our oceans are definitely important. So thank you once again, Cynthia Abbott, and I look forward to hearing from you about when we can see the film and all that other good information. Well, thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure. And thank you for recommending these songs because the next song we're going to take is a musical break. And I found this wonderful song, What Is Going On, sung by Etta James, uh, Cynthia, which is really, really very wonderful. So thank you so much for that. I'll listen right now. Okay, Okay, thank you so much. Well, we're going to take a musical break. And I want to thank Cynthia Abbott for really coming and sharing some ideas around the ocean. And, you know, the whole idea of Women's Spaces is to get us to pay attention to not only each other but our environment and what changes that we can make and the most important thing is to speak out speak up for our future for the future of our children well we're going to take a musical break and the song i'll be playing is what is going on and i found a wonderful wonderful arrangement by uh, Etta James. Originally, this was sung by Marvin Gaye during the civil rights movement in the 60s. Uh, but it's just as timely today as it is when then, when we were all asking that question, what's going on? When we come back, I'm, I'm taking the last segment of the show to play some music, read a poem, and share some of my thoughts about what's going on. So let's go ahead and play that song, Ken. What's going on? Sung by Etta James.
simply because our hair is long. Oh, you know, we got to find a way to bring some understanding, understanding here today. And I'm picket signs, picket lines, don't punish me. With brutality, ah, talk to me. You can see what's going on. Oh, what's going on? I wanna know what's going, what's going on. Yes, what's going on? My goodness, well. Boy, there's so much going on when you start thinking about it. It's just amazing. Well, welcome back. You are listening to Women's Spaces, and I'm your host, Elaine B. Holtz. And of late, I've been asking myself, yeah, what's going on? I feel the world has been shaken to the core. The pandemic to begin with, and the floods, the fires, the inflation, the insurrection, you know, People storming the capital of democracy in Washington, D.C., chanting to hang our vice president, on and on. What is going on when you have to stop? You really have to think about it, you know, and you have to think about the the future of our children, the future of what's going to happen. So I think it's an important question to ask, and it's amazing that this song, What's Going On, was recorded something like 25, maybe 30 years ago, and here it is, just as timely today as it was then. Well, you know, uh, I recently, Ken and I recently became great grandparents for the second time. I have one grand, great grandchild, Satori, uh, Trinity, and then my second grandchild who was born, uh, on the, uh, on the 7th of November, uh, Kaya Sierra. It's just amazing. And watching and watching and watching my grandson and my granddaughter raising these two children, the energy they have to put into it and to see what is evolving, you know, with all the love and all the attention that we, that we give them. And, you know, on some levels, you know, we have to accept the fact, you know, that my family, they're somewhat privileged, you know, we have good jobs and we have money flowing. I mean, there's nothing to complain about, but at the same time, you begin to really realize that children live what they learn. You know, we're looking at all this violence that's going on now. We're looking at the insurrection. We're looking at some of the fantasy worlds people are living in about vaccinations. We look at war budgets, all these different things. What are our children learning? You know, what are, what are they aspiring to? And, and then also to recognize how do we, how do we engage them so they understand that we're all part of the human family? So I want to read this. This is something that I remember in the 60s, actually in the early 70s. I went back to school when I was 30 years old, and it was at the height of the Vietnam protest, the Vietnam War protesting, and, and also the women's movement was moving. And all of a sudden, a, a new awareness about children, that children learn what they live. And so I want to, I want to read this to you. And, and when I read this to you, think of it in terms of that we are all part of this human family. And I'm going to play a short piece by Maya Angelou after I read this called The Human Family to kind of remind us, remind us who we are. But this is, was written by a woman by the name of Dorothy Law Nolte, and this became very, very popular uh, in the 60s and 70s. Children learn what they live, and I think we need to bring it back. 
Because when we look at this young boy, Rittenhouse, I mean, he was just 17 years old when that that incident happened, you know, with the guns and going to that protest. I mean, who knows what he was influenced by? So remember, children learn what they live. If a child lives with criticism, he learns to condemn. If a child lives with hostility, he learns to fight. If a child lives with ridicule, they learn to be shy. If a child lives with shame, they learn to feel guilty. If a child lives with tolerance, they learn to be patient. If a child lives with encouragement, they learn confidence. Listen to that. If a child lives with encouragement, they learn confidence. If a child lives with praise, they learn to appreciate. If a child lives with fairness, they learn justice. Think about that. If a child lives with fairness, they learn justice. If a child lives with security, they learn to have faith. If a child lives with approval, they learn to like themselves. If a child lives with acceptance and friendship, they learn to love in the world. If a child lives with acceptance and friendship, they learn to find love in the world. These are some very important words, very, very important words. So as a reminder, as a reminder, I think I'm going to play, I think we have enough time here, Ken. We're going to play The Human Family by Myra Angelou just to remind us who we are and where we are on this planet. So let's go ahead, Ken. Maya Angelou with the spoken word, the human family. It is time for the preachers, the rabbis, the priests, pundits, and the professors to believe in the awesome wonder of diversity. It is time for parents to teach young people early on that in diversity there is beauty and there is strength. I note the obvious differences in the human family. Some of us are serious. Some thrive on comedy. Some declare their lives are lived at true profundity. And others claim they really live the real reality. The variety of our skin tone can confuse, amuse, delight. Brown and pink and beige and purple, tan and blue and white. I've sailed upon the seven seas and stopped in every land. Wonders of the world, not yet one common man. I know 10,000 women called Jane and Mary Jane. I've not seen any two who really were the same. Mirror twins are different, although their features jive. And lovers think quite different thoughts while lying side by side. We love and lose in China. We weep on England's moors. We laugh and moan in Guinea and thrive on Spanish shores. In Finland, are born and die in Maine. In minor ways, we differ. In major, we're the same. I note the obvious differences between each sort and type, but we are more alike, my friend, than we are unalike. We are more alike, my friend, than we are unalike. We are more alike, my friend, than we are unalike. Our young must be taught that racial That beneath the skin, beyond the differing features, and into the true heart of being, fundamentally, we are more alike, my friend, than we are unalike. We all should know that diversity makes for a rich tapestry, and we must understand that all the threads of the tapestry are equal in value. 
I love that. We are more alike than we are unalike. We are more alike than unalike. That is absolutely true when you start thinking about it. Well, folks, that's it for our show. And before we say goodbye, I have a few seconds here. I have three minutes here. I'd like to just remind you, you know, that your self-esteem doesn't depend on anything outside of you. It depends on your relationship with yourself and your higher power, you know, and we're going to do that at the end of the month. But I want to remind folks, uh, first of all, a special thank you and shout out to Cynthia Abbott, one of the co-producers for the Emmy Award uh, winning film, Three Ocean Advocates Inspiring Change. And also... Um, Remind folks that uh, Women's Spaces is going to be on the air this evening at 11 o'clock, and you can listen to that then. And also to remind you once again, our children are the future, and we must never, never lose sight of that. So, you know, it, you know, children, children are, are, are really interesting, and I, there's a, a little poem I want to read that I think is, is very, very interesting. I wrote this, uh, I wrote this poem for my friend, um, Debbie Major for her, her, uh, she used to own the coffee shop called Coffee Cats in uh, Sebastopol. And I wrote this for her, uh, her grandson, Max. You know, one day we were talking and she said, I asked, well, what's, how's Max? What is, what is he like? He says, oh, all he thinks about is if, if kids can play with him. He says, then he's happy. So I wrote this for, I wrote this for Max, for Max. Come, Max, for Max. Come play with me. I do not care if you come from afar or what color you are. Come play with me. Come play with me. Come play. Isn't that the truth about our children? You know, they just they just want to. Hey, just be friends. You know, they don't know. They don't know color lines. They don't know. You know what your house looks like. All they want to do is they just want to just want to play with each other. And we have to remember that. Well, you've been listening to Women's Spaces. My name is Elaine B. Holtz, and I'm really honored to do this show. Again, I want to do a shout-out for the Peace and Justice Center here in Sonoma County, the wonderful, wonderful award ceremony they had. And to all you folks out there, you know, you got to have trust and faith. And the most important thing is to stand up for injustice, to speak out for one another, and to love one another. You know, I know that's a real simple concept, but if we just at least think about it, you know, think about what we're doing and what we're saying and stop being so divisive. You know, we're, we're divided in so many levels. We're divided by race. We're divided by neighborhoods. We're divided by you name it. We're divided by political parties. And it's time that we come together, you know, especially for little boys and little girls, particularly for Max, like come play with him. He didn't care about what color you are if you came for afar. All they want to do is just come on and come play with one another. Anyway, this is Elaine B. Holtz. You've been listening to Women's Spaces. I thank you from the bottom of my heart for listening. And, you know, it, it's real interesting uh, doing a radio show. It really is. And I really want to encourage folks to support your local radio, community radio. It's very, very important. I mean... I myself actually donate to stay on the air. Very important. Anyway, this is Elaine Behold. You've been listening to Women's Spaces. Thank you so much for listening, and I look forward to being with you the next time.
The previous Women's Spaces show was recorded on Monday, November 15th, 2021.